Galatians chapter number 5. Let's go over there. Galatians 5. Today we, we uh, finish our study of Galatians chapter 5. We've worked our way from verse number, well, somewhere around 13. I think it was 13, our official start, but it was technically supposed to be 16. But, well, we started more like 13. And we're working our way down to verse number 26. Then we're not really going to do much with verse 26. So, either way, I've worked it out. So, verse 25 is where we camp today, especially. Verse 26, I think, is very self-explanatory. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Heavenly Father, we have an application before us today, and we are humbly sitting at your feet right now. Knowing full well that any time your spirit is at work, change is inevitable. And you're at work in our lives today. We submit ourselves to the task you have. That you're going to work through our lives. As we are mindful of what your word promises us. That even when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We long for the day when we will understand those words perfectly. But in this process of life right now, we must come to you as dependent children and ask that your will might be done in our lives and that we would be submissive to it. So help us with our study today, Lord, especially. And work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we started this series in January. We've gone practically a whole year, haven't we, studying Galatians chapter 5. Now, I've intentionally been careful and deliberate, took my time, as you well know, uh, that we would know what the Lord is calling for us to do. So I ask, do you know what he has called for us to do? Verse number 16, the command. What is it? Walk by the Spirit. That is the command that we have studied all the way through this passage. And I've talked to you about what that means. When you walk by the Spirit, you obey Him. So now it's time to ask some questions in your own heart and life. Do we obey Him? To walk by the Spirit means to trust His leadership. To trust His leadership. Are we trusting Him? And are we going to Him for leadership? Because to walk by the Spirit is to seek His direction. Have you asked Him directly to lead you? To direct you? Do you trust him enough to ask that question? I'll guarantee you this. There's only one direction he will ever take you. And that is in the path of righteousness. That's the only path he leads on. The only way he will take you is on the path of righteousness. He will direct you. And you know where he wants you to go. 
Have you asked for it? Do you seek His direction? Do you know the way He works? That's important to all these things. To know how He does what He does. Why He does what He does. What He does. (laughs) Do you know His works? That's what this study was part of. There's more to come related to the study of what the Holy Spirit does. But if we're going to trust Him, we must know Him, right? And so we're called to this. This is all part of walking by the Spirit. And the confidence that comes with that. And the fellowship that comes with that. And that's the thing that I've been aiming at all the way through our study. When it says, walk by the Spirit, let's not just fly past that little phrase and not contemplate what it means. It means to trust Him, to obey Him, to be in fellowship with Him, to seek His direction, to know His work, to have confidence in what He's doing. Now, one thing we have learned very carefully in this passage, when it is set the work of the Spirit side by side with the work of the flesh, the Holy Spirit will not compromise with the flesh. Never, ever will compromise with the flesh. He never works in cooperation with the flesh. He never takes turns with the flesh. The flesh can work part and he can do the other part. He doesn't do it that way. He is never in submission to the flesh. He is God after all. He doesn't negotiate with the flesh. He seeks nothing short but having full influence and control in our lives. Are you mindful of that? Nothing short of full influence and complete control in our lives. That's what he calls us to. That's a lot, isn't it? Are you going to walk with him? Are you going to walk with him? Do you realize that the Holy Spirit wants to walk with you? And I want to ask you this. How often do you think he seeks that? All the time. All the time. The nature of our command is what we call a present tense command, which is keep on walking by the Spirit. Don't stop. It's not a Sunday thing. All right? It's it's not a, a holiday thing. It's not when you're, you know, things are going well for you thing. This is an all the time thing that we're to walk with Him because all the time He wants to walk with you. Now, we reach this point today. Do you, do you feel that you understand better the work of the Holy Spirit than when we began back in January? Has there been enough to help us understand that more? Uh, if that's where you're, some of you are saying, yeah, I want to ask something, and, and it's very personal, I know. What have we done with what we've learned the end of courses, when I teach them, I usually give a final exam. <laughs> Relax. This one's much more severe than a final. <laughs> because I'm asking you, and I'm asking me, are we conscious of this walk with the Holy Spirit? Are we mindful? Are we increasing in our desire to walk with Him? If that's where we're walking, that's, that's wonderful. 
if it becomes more and more a, a thought in our heart and a thought in our mind and a desire of our life to walk with Him, you're starting to, to walk that path. And that's a very good thing. But I do know this, that any time you reach a point of application, there are a few possible responses to it. And the first one is, I won't. I won't. And I hope that's not true of anybody in this room. When they have been confronted with God's Word and what it tells us to do, I hope none of us would say, in reference to walking by the Spirit, I won't. But there might be some who say, I can't. They may start it this way, I can't wait for this service to be over. Or they may say, well, I, I can't do this. See, Pastor, this is for spiritual people. I want to ask you a simple question. How do you think they ever became spiritual? It's through this very thing. It's the work of the Lord in their life. People don't just, you know, spiritual isn't something you paint on or something you get on a diploma and now you're spiritual or something of that effect. It's God's work in your life. And you say, well, that's for spiritual people. You're confessing something, aren't you? You're confessing that you're not letting God work in your life. You say, well, that's just for spirit." No, it's not just for spiritual people. It's for all God's people to become spiritual. And so, we can't say, I can't, because we're not something like that. But some people will say, I'll wait. I'll wait. You know, there might be a more convenient time, Pastor, for me to get to this. And I don't know why we would hesitate, but there are some times we hesitate because there's something in our life that we know isn't right, and we kind of enjoy where it's at right now. I'm sorry to say it that way, but it's true. And they're going to just enjoy their, their process while they're at it, and, and they'll say, well, I'll get to that later. Don't get to it later. Do it now. Deal with that issue. If that issue is preventing you from walking with the Holy Spirit, deal with the issue. Talk to the Lord about it. Some people say, no, our way, you know, I'm busy. Oh, there's a good word. I'm too busy to, to do this, Pastor. I'm too busy to get this involved in a spiritual thing. This is your life, folks. This is your life. This is more than just what goes on between, you know, 12 o'clock and 12 o'clock in a full day. This is eternity wrapped up in this too. Because you're talking about your relationship with God. This isn't just something we, we set to the side because it's more convenient later. Who gave you your life? Who gives you your time? Oh, I know, I'm working hard on you, right? There's a better response then I won't, or I will later, or I'll wait, or I can't. How about I will? That's the response that's very important today. You know, when we say I will, and the Holy Spirit tells us what he's going to do, and we say I will, it's going to change our lives. It's going to change us forever. It's going to change our appetite for the things of this world. It's going to change our habits. It's going to change our thoughts. It's going to change our words. It's going to change our actions. It changes our life. That's what it is. But I want to ask you a simple thing. Can you say such a thing? But I trust the Lord. And 
whatever work he seeks to do in my life, it will be for his glory and for my good. Are we able to say that when we come to him? That's the issue of trust. I trust the Lord, and I know whatever work he seeks to do in my life, it will be for his glory, and it will be for my good. Can you get better than that? I don't think we can. Today, as you can tell, I'm taking aim at the will. I'm taking aim at the will. Initially, we heard a command. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit. That's a command. That doesn't leave you any other correct response but yes. That's the only correct response to that command, by the way, is yes, I will. Today, I find an appeal in verse number 25. An appeal. We call it an exhortation in big uh, hermeneutical type of terms. Exhortation. It's an address or it's a communication emphatically urging someone to do something. Have you sensed it already this morning? An urging to do something. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit, verse 25 says. It's very interesting to me, at this point of Paul's teaching, he could have re easily restated the command from verse 16. It was powerful enough for us to respond to. He could have just simply said, walk by the Spirit. I told you that, now do it. He could have done it that way. Uh, most of us are trained to respond to a command. Those of you who have been in the military, you know that's important. All of us who grew up with mom or dad and had a certain tone in their voice, we knew what the right response was. <laughs> Yet, I don't think Paul, when he reaches the end of this, is aiming at the will in our brain to walk by the Spirit, but the will in our heart. Because we could process the words. We can see all the logic and all the, all the you know, expectations. But now he's, he's going to deal with the heart issue in verse number 25. And I'm going to change the translation only to reflect what the Greek says in a powerful way. You ready for this? That little word, if, starts verse 25. And some of you have heard this before. But you know what the word is. It is the word sin. It is a statement of reality. It's not a possibility. It's not a question mark. It is a statement of reality. The little Greek word is E-I. In our, we say I. We say, okay, what's that? That's sense. And it's sitting here right in front of my face. I can't miss it. Since we are continually living by the Spirit, that's a fact, by the Spirit let us also be walking. That's the appeal. Since we are. Now there's power in that phrase. Since we are. Let's start with that because that will help us understand the appeal better. The reality is set before you right here. You are, as a child of God, living by the Spirit. <laughs> Another way of saying it. You're alive <laughs> because of the Spirit. 
Your spiritual life is due to His work. The Holy Spirit has given you this life. That's a reality. <laughs> Do we realize that it's due to the Holy Spirit that we live? Our spiritual lives are founded upon His work. Now, each member of the Godhead, or Trinity, however the term you like to hear better, some people don't like one, they like the other, whatever, I'll just say them both. Well, the, the working of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it would appear, at least from our human perspective, that in the act of salvation they each have a task or more if you'd like it that way, but they, they, they all have their own particular emphasis they put into salvation, and yet somehow they all work together on it, and it's an amazing thing. But generally, when we talk about the one who was the great planner and the initiator of our salvation, we go to God the Father. God the Father is the one who gave His Son, right? God the Father is the one who chose us, who adopted us, who predestined us, all those great things that he planned, and his son was here to do his father's will, right? So we set up the father as the one who's the great planner in all these things. And then we see the son as the great redeemer in the salvation. He is the one who died. He is the one who, who paid the price. He, he is the one who, who covered the wages of our sins. He did that. It wasn't the Father and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus Christ. He was doing the Father's will. He came to this earth and fulfilled everything He was told to do. Through Him we have redemption. Through Him we have the forgiveness of our sins. And we rejoice in that. We certainly do. So what's the Holy Spirit doing in all this? This is a simple way of saying it, perhaps. But He takes the Father's plan and the Son's purchase and applies it to the life. He puts it there. How does he do that? Well, theologically, we've used this before, but I'll walk it through one more time. We abbreviate it this way in theological terms, ribs, R-I-B-S. This is what he does. He regenerates. There's your R. He is the regenerator. Titus chapter 3. I'm going to walk you over there. you say, where's Titus? Hebrews. You find Hebrews, start backing up. You'll see Timothy there before it, and you say, that's too far. In between Timothy and Hebrews, you'll find the book of Titus. Chapter 3, verse number 5. Here we have these words. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in saving us. He is the regenerator. He is the renewer. What was our problem? We were dead in trespasses and sins. He gives us life. He applies life to us. You know, if He didn't do that, we would still be dead in our sins. He regenerated you. That's powerful. Stop, think about that for a while. If it wasn't for Him, you wouldn't have spiritual life at all. That's what the text is telling us. Since we are living by the Spirit. Well, there it is. 
He's a regenerator. The second thing he does is he indwells. That's a capital I in ribs. Indwells. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verse number 9. Here's a powerful little phrase for you. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, oh, not if, since, indeed, the spirit of God dwells in you. Where does he dwell? In you. Have you stopped to think about that for a few minutes? He dwells in you. Oh, by the way, you could add 1 Corinthians 3.16, and it says, your body is what? Take a wild guess. It has the word temple in it. Your body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Guess where he lives? In you. In you. Now, we've been talking about walking with him. Where is he right now? In you. Believer, he's in you. It's not a come and go thing. Old Testament saints knew it that way. When David sinned, he begged that the Lord not take his spirit from him. Psalm 51. We don't have that situation now. The Holy Spirit indwells you. He lives in you. You're not very far away then from him when, it has to, when you have to talk to him, right? He's there. He indwells you. Baptizes. That's B. Now I'm going to. We use the word baptizes. That's the English form of a Greek word, baptizo. But the word baptizes means to immerse. And this is what he's done. He's immersed you into the body of Christ. That means completely in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. God's church. The real church. This is a local assembly. But all of us who believe in Jesus Christ belong to the church. Started in Acts chapter 2. It still goes on today till he calls us home. But he's put you into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 is a great passage if you want a powerful little section here to, to add to this. The whole chapter is good this way. But I'll read it. Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized, immersed into one body. Whether you're a Jew or a Greek, a slave or a free, you're all made to drink of one spirit. You have been put into the body of Christ. Now that's an awesome thing to consider. Awesome thing to consider. You can join any local church you want. But you cannot be in the Lord's church unless the Spirit puts you there. That's what He's done. He's put you into the body of Christ. Then He seals you. I love that little phrase, in sealing. Uh, Ephesians 1, verse 13. You're sealed in this relationship. God sealed you. Now, that's a protective term. That's a, that's a guarantee. Sometimes it's used the word earnest there. And earnest is, remember the day you bought a house and had to get a mortgage and they said, well, give us some money first? That's the earnest. They wanted proof that you were serious about the purchase. Well, God is serious about what he's done for you. He's given you the Holy Spirit. A guarantee that all these things are true. What he began in you. He will complete in you. How do I know? How do I know it's a promise that he will keep? Well, he indwells you. He puts you in the body of Christ. 
He regenerated you. Do you think he's going to give up now? He sealed it so. Sealed it so. Most of Romans chapter 8 will prove that to you. Wait till January when we start. Powerful chapter. So, I could start with just those four things. The ribs. Regenerates and dwells, baptizes and seals. And I could convince you just from those, I hope, that it's by the Holy Spirit that you're living. This is His work. That he's put you into this salvation. It's foundational truth to convince you. Simply, you are living because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit. Just think of that. The activator of spiritual life is living in you right now. Right now. And since you are living by that Spirit, that great reality sets before you, since it's true... There's an appeal that comes with it. It has to. And that's what Paul does here. Since you are living by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You are a believer in Christ, aren't you? So the Holy Spirit's regenerated you and dwelt you, baptized you into the body of Christ and sealed you, right? then is it so unnatural to hear these words, walk with Him? Is that so unnatural for a believer to find that we're called to walk with Him? Is that such a radical thing in light of all that He has already completed? He changed you from dead to alive. He changed you from an enemy of God to a child of God. He changed you from no hope to abounding in hope. Is it so radical for him to say, now walk with me? Is it so unnatural that that should be the appeal? What's so difficult about that? That phrase. Why is it something that that we, we kind of brace ourselves for when we see it? Then walk by the Spirit. That's what Paul says. If he's done all this already, walk by him. That's the appeal. Is it so strange that we should be cast to walk with Him when He's already helped us with all these other things? He's already been working in us and changing our perspective on things. And he's, and what did we just learn last week, or the week before, rather, about what He's done with the flesh? Has it not been crucified? Who did that? He did. When you stop and think of all these things he's already taken care of, it's not a, a foreign thing to make this appeal. This appeal is, let us then be living, or walking as we are living. Walking by the Spirit. He's exhorting us here in this very passage. Uh, some people call it a present subjunctive. And here's the word that goes with it. Volative. You know what that is? That's not a candle. That's a votive. Volative. You're volunteering. Your will. This is the will. That he's appealing to. Let us walk by him. Let us walk by him. Now, this is what's interesting about the word walk. And I'll just give you a couple of pieces here to get you started with this. The, the, the word for walk is different, by the way in verse number 25, than it was back in verse 16. Two different Greek words. 
Verse 16 meant to walk around, walk around, walk around, walk by the Spirit. That's our command. This one is a different Greek word, which means to walk in a row. To walk in a row. The idea, like you folks who've been in the military, and you understand the concept of marching in ranks. They said to keep your step. Keep in step. Conform to what's around you. If they walk with their left foot first, you walk with your left foot first. If they walk at a certain pace, you walk at a certain pace. If they speed up, you speed up. If you slow down, you slow down. I always loved the story of Abraham Lincoln when he was in the Black Hawk Wars. He was put in charge of a group of men. He says, I didn't know how to, to uh, command them how to march. I could say, you know, start, you know, however they do it. They start and everything else. He said he got into a problem and they came up to a fence row and they had to get on the other side of the fence. And he didn't know the order to call out for that. So he stopped them and he put them at ease. And then he said, now when you line up again, be on the other side of the fence. That was his whole strategy to get around the whole concept of what do you do? Now some of us are very much like that. We say, I don't know what to do. Uh, do I start with my left foot? My right foot, he says, to walk with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. If he takes a step, you take a step. If he goes to the right, you go to the right. If he picks up the speed, you pick up your speed. You walk with the Spirit. In a row. In keeping with his step. See the picture all of a sudden? See what he's asking us to do? That, that's to, to conform to his way. His rule, if you will. His, his orderly walk to meet that. To step forward. The, to, to go on living each step. One person even translated it this way. Making our progress, advancing step by step. But all the way through it, we're directing our steps by His. By His. Each step is following Him. One person said, this keeps us, this stepping with Him. It's a submission of our heart to the Holy Spirit. It's keeping step with Christ. You know, that's a matter of trust, is it not? A matter of trust. Now, he's never going to deceive you. He's not going to take steps to, to look back and laugh at you, because he knows you can't do it. I did that with my son once, Philip, just for fun. He was a real little guy. We lived in Alabama. We had an unusual snowstorm. Snow was 13 inches deep in Alabama. I thought, well, that was really unusual. And so I thought, well, we've got to go out and walk in that. And uh, he was just two years old. And so we put his boots on him and his winter coat and everything. And, and we started to walk around the house. And I noticed when I looked back, he was stepping in my steps because he couldn't do it otherwise. So I started to take bigger bands between the steps just to see what would happen. I know. He couldn't make it. Matter of fact, I saw him go plump down at one point and I said, uh-oh, better rescue the boy. But you, you realize the Holy Spirit won't ever be mischievous with you. He's not going to say, hey, wait till they try this one and then take some wild looking step. He wants to walk with you. Do you see? Each step, walk with you. You ever walk with somebody you, you care greatly about? What good is it to be 12 paces ahead of them? 
What good is it to be 12 paces behind them? You want to be with them. You want to talk with them. You're walking with them. Isn't that the perfect word for this text? Walk by the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit. That's what it's called for us to do. We don't go ahead of Him. We don't use our wisdom. We don't use our strength. We don't do what we think needs to be done. We don't lag behind Him. We're not indifferent. We're not sluggish. We're not careless in our Christian walk. This is an appeal. Since He has given you life, Keep in step with Him. Keep in step with where He's going. Obey Him. Trust His leadership. Be in fellowship with Him. Seek His direction. Know how He works. And have confidence in what He's doing. Walk by the Spirit. So now it's up to your your own heart to answer that one. I won't, I can't, I'll wait, I will. Talk to him right now about that answer. All right? Heavenly Father, we come before you with your word in front of us. Not only has the command been given, but the appeal is right here before our very hearts. Our answer today is so very important. And as you work in our hearts right now, Lord, I pray that in every single heart and voice you hear today, the words, I will, will come up before you as well. Do your work in our hearts, Lord. If your word can't change us, if your Holy Spirit doesn't break through, then there will never be change. But we come to you today as one whom we know, one who we trust, that will do all things for your glory and for our good. And we answer the question as to whether or not we will walk by the Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you are pleased with what you see in this congregation and in the lives of these people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.